In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, Paul says, I discipline my body and make it my slave. You know, we often forget, guys, that God has called us to steward the bodies he gave us so that we'll be ready, healthy, and spiritually dangerous to fight the good fight, whether it's working at your job, serving your God, protecting your bride, or being a great dad to your kids. That's why we're so excited to partner with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Mountain Tough Fitness Lab is run by Christian men who are passionate about training you to be your best version and to stay dangerous and ready for God. Join me on my journey by going to mountaintough.com. That's M-T-N-T-O-U-G-H and getting your free six-week trial when you type in the code ARENA30. You won't be disappointed. Stay dangerous. Too many Christians think that working for God and pursuing God is going to be either tedious or unfulfilling or backbreaking, as if God wants us to be miserable. God doesn't want you to be miserable. It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood. Each of our guests is an expert in their chosen field or cause as it relates to men. Our conviction is to call you into the arena of manhood, call you out of the faceless, nameless bleachers, and call you up to be the best version of you. Because when a man gets it, everyone wins. Enjoy today's episode. Men in the Arena Army, we salute you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. As you know, I'm Jim Ramos, here with my producer and good friend, Dale Culver. How you doing, my man? I'm doing really good. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm excited about our guest today. This is actually round three with him. The first recording, uh, we had some massive sound problems. Second recording, he had people out in his yard cutting the tree down. We had to cancel it. So here we are again. He's written many, many books. He's probably the most prolific writer I've ever met face-to-face besides St. Augustine, who I didn't meet face-to-face. But but Jay wrote a book that I'm really excited about today. This is a book that I would put on the level of the Prayer of Jabez. It's a very simple a prayer for men to pray. It's a very simple book. It's easy to read. I'm excited to get him on there. But hey, before we do that, we want to encourage our guys to get on over to our website. And for the month of September only, so by the time you guys hear this We're going to be coming to the end of September. Uh, I've put a book out called Guts and Manhood, Four Irrefutable Attributes of Courage. Super, super excited about this book. We're only offering it for one month for free online, and then we're going to sale on this deal. And uh, really, really excited about our study through uh, through the word courage in the Bible and what it teaches men. So, hey, but before we get Jay on here, uh, give me a man word. I don't even know what to guess. Oh, I see that. You should. I was gonna, podcast, okay, I was going to say prayer, and I thought there's no way he could be that vanilla. Like, there's oh, yeah, no way he would pick that word. I totally can. Yeah, well, you totally so I, did. I did. Uh, and these, this day and age with everything going on, um, what I've seen that helps us through tough stuff is prayer. Uh, we should be praying as, uh, as each day to go into battle. And when we're in battle, we need to be praying. And, and as men... Uh, every day is a battle. And so yeah. prayer is a man word, baby. Well, I'll tell you what. My wife will tell me, you need to go pray. She can tell mm-hmm. when I'm not praying. And one of the things yeah. I do, and I need to put this on social media, but I have a routine I go through. I get up in the morning. I make a cup of coffee. I read my Bible. 
I work out at about seven in the morning and then I go pray. I come to the office, pray an hour a day for the ministry, for my life, for my, for several key friends. You're one of those, Dale. And I just think prayer keeps us centered. Uh, the word of God keeps us centered, uh, ethically and, and, uh, and biblically, but, but prayer keeps us centered on, on Jesus. And, uh, I just think guys really need to be praying, whether they're driving to work, driving home, they just need to spend time with God. And that's what this book's about. It's about prayer. And I'm really excited about that, but I know you've got a shout out for us today. So why don't you throw that our way? Yeah, we got big Adams. Oh, six, uh, left us a review and, uh, it's a really good one. I really appreciated it. And, um, so big Adams, thank you so much for uh, doing that. Why don't you shoot us an email info at men in And we want to send you some swag. Give us, make sure you give us your address so we can do that. And, uh, guys out there, um, I, I did get a message from a guy that said he listens on Spotify and he can't do yeah. a, a, sh- a shout out there. Shoot us an email and just uh, send us that and w- we'll read those as well. So thank you so much, guys. Yeah, we do appreciate it. We even know that iTunes is getting more difficult for guys to to give a review. If you send us an email that re- encourages us, we will send you some swag. We are very needy over here. Well, Dale, uh, maybe it's just you. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, we, we, lo- we love hearing from you guys. Uh, love praying with you guys. It's just exciting to be a part of this ministry. Hey, I want to bring my new friend on, Jay Politner. Did I say that right, Jay? Of course not, Jim. Hey, Jim, Lightner. Jim, 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 Right. Pay, pay, light, pay, light. I, I, pay light. Thanks a lot. Pay light. It's pay lightner. Pay lightner. Okay. I said lightner. Pay lightner. Yeah. That's easy. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> it, it, it can't be about me, Jim. It can't be well, about me or Jim or Dale. It's got to be no, about, about the creator of the universe. It's okay. The creator. <laughs> my na- hey, listen, Jim. My name. My name is carved in the hand of the creator of the universe. If Jim Ramos my, doesn't get it right, it's all right. And it's Morse, it's Morse code, man. One dot, one dot. Well, you know, it's funny. I, of all the names that I've, I've got, yours is the most difficult for me. And I don't know where to put the accent. So I apologize. But you know what? I just did you a favor because now they're never going to forget your name. Right. Anyway, hey, I'm just going to go with Jay. It's easier to spell. It's one syllable. It's yes. like Jim. Oh, man. Hey, so my friend Jay is 63 years old. He is in the Chicago, Illinois area. Married his high school sweetheart, Rita. They've been married for 40 years. Jay's spoken at marriage conferences, men's retreats, iron sharpens iron events, and in, in 20 states, he's written more than 25 books, but but the period of time he's written those books, he's just the most prolific writer I've ever met. He's sold over uh, probably 700,000 copies of books so far, including 52 Things Kids Need from Their Dad, which I have in my library. What If God Wrote Your Bucket List and The Jesus Dare, which I also have in my library. It's a, a joy and honor to bring my friend on. He's a little bit low energy, guys. So you'll have to hang on there uh, as he spits out those words. Jay, how you doing, Jay? Jim. I promise to not go too fast today because I know Dale has a hard time keeping up. (laughs) Well, between me and you, it's gonna between me and you, it's like playing a forty. It's like you know that we were kids had those forty feet, forty fives that you could play real fast. We put them on LP mode, and uh, yeah, that's gonna be you and me. Alvin and the Chipmunks, right? Well, Um, I've got a pod. My podcast, you can speed that podcast up to like times two, three. That's how we are all the time. Um, yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, I, I spent decades, and we're go, get, going off on one big old rabbit trail here, but I spent decades, and this is part of my story, uh, as a radio producer, I produced 
uh, Christian radio for for all kinds of ministries. For, for Josh McDowell, I produced his radio program for 14 years. With Chuck Colson every year, I did this Angel Tree Radio special every year for about uh, 14, 16 years. Um, for, uh, for the National Center for Fathering, I co-wrote and produced 4,000 of their little short daily radio programs. Worked with uh, other, all kinds of ministries. Uh, 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 the Jesus Freaks with uh, Michael Tate and Toby Mack. That was great fun to write, oh, to yeah. write those things. Um, but uh, uh, there was, uh, well, I was about to say, uh, we used to call it Verispeed, where you could squeeze, you could squeeze, some people, some preachers talk very slowly. You can squeeze them 10%, 12%, and, uh, and they're fine. Some guys talk so fast that you can't squeeze them at all. Uh, digitally, yes. Digitally. Oh, okay, <laughs> moving on. Well, so, hey, I've got a question. So, so, yeah. How long have you been writing books, and what led you out yeah. of radio and yeah. into authoring? Right. Well, that would be the God doing that. God, God keeps opening, closing doors, and opening doors. And so, let me reaffirm to everybody listening right now: God uses everything. You might be going through some kind of crud in life right now. It's like, what is? What's going on? Why am I bothered? Do, why do I get up in the morning? This job I'm having right now. Uh, uh, Jim, uh, I I sold right out of college. I sold uh, photocopiers for AB Dick. Hi, I, I'm your AB Dick man. Buy my AB Dick copier. Don't buy a Xerox or a Minolta or a Canon or IBM or some name that you you know and trust. Buy my AB Dick copier, and I was terrible at it. But man, oh man, you know what? Going around the suburbs of Chicago, knocking on doors, it it, it humbles you. And it makes you hungrier on, on some levels, um, and uh, you learn to you learn that you just got to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And then I sold I sold some other things, and, the, and I ended up in advertising on Michigan Avenue uh, in Chicago. And I wrote TV spots for Corona Beer and Midway Airlines and Kroger grocery stores. And I learned to write short. I learned to get into people's heads to see what their what their really needs are, because that's key when you're writing advertising. And I learned to write short, and I meet, learned to meet deadlines, and I learned to uh, 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 to uh, produce things that that people want, and, and to keep clients happy, kind of thing. And uh, then somehow uh, God pulled me out of Michigan Avenue uh, to a uh, to a small agency, a Christian agency in in Wheaton, Illinois. This is my faith was growing at that time. And maybe he, maybe I got fired from Chicago. We don't have, we don't have to tell that story. <laughs> uh, a new, a new creative director, a new creative director came in and uh, cleaned house, and I ended up having to, to leave. So I, this is my faith was growing at the same time separately, and suddenly I was producing Josh McDowell Radio. They hired me, and they got this new account. At that time, I didn't know who Josh was. I, I didn't realize that. that <laughs> Uh, oh. So uh, you were so anyway, no. I, well, I was grew up, well. I grew up Catholic, and you yeah. know what? Ex ex Catholics make great uh, evangelical Christians, I suppose you say, or or Bible believing Christians. Anyways, well, all yeah. That but here's here, here's the deal. I'm an, I'm a yeah. Catholic. My, I don't say ex Catholic. I think once Catholic, always Catholic. Well, yes, I, I, I would just, agree. With I, that. I don't. It's There's like a pair, it, It's like luggage. You just don't ever get rid of your Catholicism. <laughs> it's just part of who you yeah. are. So I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of Catholics, but but it was just a little bit too boring for me, and I didn't um, know Latin. No, I didn't know Latin, so well, well for me, um, and we, we, I'm not going to bash Catholics at all in any way, shape, or form because I found Christ. I yeah. I, I, I understood I understood grace. I began to understand grace, 
and our need for a savior, some things. But um, uh, I think I, I think that the season of the Catholic Church back in those days, and again, I hope there are Catholics listening right now who understand this and appreciate this. Oh, there are. Uh, yeah, we need to we need to dig deep. We need to bite into things. We need to know what we believe in. And it was kind of wishy-washy back then. When I was there, it was like you know a little 10-minute sermon that the priest seemed to make up at the spot. Uh, and then when I ended up in a big non-denominational church in the edge of town and got 40-minute sermons, oh, my golly, it was so – it just filled me up with so much love and knowledge and, and inspiration and power and submission and grace. It was uh, – and I was like, well, I'm not going back. Um, so there you go. I, again, uh, we need to know where we are, our standing as a, as a need for a Savior. And I wasn't even getting that back then. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, one of the things I really appreciate about the Catholic Church that I think the evangelical church doesn't practice is mm. confession. Confession. Uh, we we seem to shy away from confession where the Catholic Church embraces it. And I think we need to have, we need to really promote confession, not only uh, formally, but informally, that, that men need to get used to confessing their sins to somebody, it doesn't have to be their pastor, but they just need to be empowered to confess their dirty laundry. I think that's so so important, and uh, and I, I really do appreciate about the Catholic Church. Well, hey, yeah. so so you went from radio. Uh, what year was it that you wrote your first book? What what year was your first well, book written? Sure, um, uh, two thousand three. It was. I was do. I was working. I'll give you the short version of the story. I was working on a um, a. Uh, an audio project for a publisher. It was actually uh, Howard Publishing. They, they, they were doing, they had hugs for Christmas, and they wanted to see if they could do a, they, those little hugs books. They wanted to see if they could do a, uh, an audio version of that. So they found me, they hired me uh, to, uh, to write, um, uh, to, to promote, to create a little CD. And I was putting a CD in the mail. Back in the day, we had the FedEx CDs as reference before you could send things digitally. And, uh, uh, I tucked a book manuscript, a a, uh, a, uh, a sample a, a book, a, a book uh, uh, proposal in in the that envelope that went down FedEx down to Louisiana from Chicago, and they bought my book. It was just a little twelve hundred word allegory called "Once Upon a Tandem," which is long out of print, um, but um, that was my first book. And after that, wow. a good but a good buddy said. Jay, you know what you got to do now? And I said, no one. He goes, write your next book. Because once you have one book published, it's much, much easier. Yeah. So I've yeah. had, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and so I've had uh, 20, uh, more than 20, uh, almost 30 books now published by traditional publishing methods where you sign a contract and you get a, a little advance and uh, they, they pay you royalties kind of thing. Not a wealth, I'm not a wealthy man, but uh, uh, financially, but uh, uh, I sold a, uh, yeah, uh, almost seven hundred thousand books. Yeah, and uh, it's a crazy how much you've written in that time span <laughs> between two thousand and three. Twenty five books is some, but I, I do appreciate your style. Your books are short; they're generally they look and feel to be under forty five thousand words, exactly which is right, which right. is actually yep. a real short book. Um, and that's really really exciting, man. So <laughs> hey, I want to I want to dive in and offer you congratulations on your newest book, The Prayer of Agur, and. Uh, uh, you know, interesting thing. Bible scholars agree that Solomon personally uh, wrote and compiled Proverbs one through twenty nine, mm -hmm. but Proverbs third Proverb thirty was given credit to Agur. 
Can you uh, walk us through who he was and why you decided to write this book? Uh, sure. Let me, uh, a couple thoughts there. Um, it, in context, our, your listeners know that Proverbs has 31 chapters. Yes. And 29, Thank you. the first 29 are written by uh, Solomon. The 31 is that one written by King Lemuel. And that's the one that describes the wife of noble characters. Women's, uh, women's ministry groups love that one, uh, describing oh, yeah. the wife of noble character. But you're right. Ch- uh, chapter 30 is written by uh, this guy, A-G-U-R. And uh, it's so interesting that even, even uh, no one knows even how to – he's so obscure. Agur, A-G-U-R, is so obscure, no one knows how to pronounce it. I've, I've, yeah. <laughs> so Agur, 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 I kind of – I rhyme it with Agur. Uh, the prayer of Agur, uh, but I think I've heard it the way you pronounce it there as well. I definitely have. But okay, so well, Agur, go ahead. Well, the problem with his name is it's A G U R, and the Hebrew language had no vowels. So we're trying oh. to. That's why with Yah- Yahweh is really pronounced Yahava. So, but we say Jehovah or Yahweh. So Agur, yeah. God only knows, uh, and literally yeah. God only knows, and typically. <laughs> In Hebrew, I think the pronunciation falls on the back syllable, uh, in, typically. Ag- and so, yeah, Agur. Yeah, yeah, you probably. But, right. I, uh, but you... I don't. But I don't know. Okay. It could be something totally different because we don't have vowels to go by. But uh, the the English spelling has the two vowels in it, and so okay. uh, sweet. What do you know about okay. this guy? Well, okay. Well, um, we don't know much about him. He's kind of. Uh, we know he's a, he's a quirky little guy. We, we know that he, uh, we, he mentions his dad name. We know that his name means collector. Yes. Um, and uh, we know that, you know what? He had, the, he had what it takes to get into our Bible today. So we have yes. to give him all kinds of props. So even Absolutely. though we don't know much about him, he's there. And God wanted his story there for a reason. His chapter, Proverbs 30. Look it up, folks. Um, so it's there for a reason. And uh, so we have a responsibility and an opportunity to dig in there and see what he has to say. Um, uh, and I and I and I and I think he's just this, <laughs> the way he writes. He, uh, I, I like I love him so much. I wish he wasn't hanging out now. I could be his best friend. The way he writes, it's kind of like a stand-up comedian, where he's got this observational humor. Why did you know this kind of thing? And I wonder why that is. And I, I, I his personality just just shone through for me. And I laughed. While I'm writing this book, I laughed and I enjoyed it. I had to write this book. <clears throat> so now this book to me sounds very similar to the Prayer of Jabez. And I ah, think no. David, ah, David, no. Wilker, David Wilkerson wrote that book, right? Uh, uh, Wilkinson? Wilkinson, yes. Is um, it David or Bruce? I anyway, I got those guys. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce Wilkinson. Thank you. Bruce Wilkinson. Okay. Wilkinson. So the title, the title sounds similar, but the prayer is almost diametrically opposed to uh, Jabez, who is asking God to enlarge his territory. How, how, how is your book different? It's, it's vastly different. How is it different than that book? Well, we, we could spend quite a while on this, and maybe we should dig in a little bit here. Um, the, the Bruce Wilkinson book, uh, Prayer of Jabez, Jabez um, uh, does have that line, uh, enlarge my territory. It's a prayer to enlarge my territory. But yeah. I don't think that's necessarily a greedy thing. Um, agreed. And, uh, agreed. F- folks, folks have have put on that that it's kind of the prosperity gospel and, and give me more, give me more stuff. But really, we should all be praying that on a, on a on a regular basis. Lord, you know what? 
expand my sphere of influence. I want to reach out to people around me, near me, and beyond me. And if that means bringing me, bringing me some extra cash to do that, that's fine. But it's not about that. It's about enlarge my territory. So, so, um, so there's, there was actually some debate. I mean, that was 20 years ago that book came out. And so millions and millions yeah. of copies. Well, uh, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I don't think it's a... I don't think uh, it's a prosperity gospel prayer. I think it's a prayer for influence. Uh, I agree with you 100%. A great book. Yours is about the same size of it, but the prayer of Agur is much different. Do you want to explain that to us? Well, um, uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, and read the prayer of Agur. Uh, the part that uh, that I focus on is this. Proverbs 30, Proverbs 30, verses 8 and 9. Listen up, folks. <laughs> Listen. Uh, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Think about that for a second. You have the courage to pray that? Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. And that has all kinds of images that comes through the through, through your mind there. Um, but then he goes on to explain why that's important. He says, otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? <laughs> which is because uh, if you have too much, it's like hey, it's all about me. I got this covered, and then the second part of it is, or the prayer goes on, or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. Oh my goodness! So this guy, uh, well, I mean, Agur identifies his weakness, um, and in his case, it's 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 stuff, uh, materialism, and uh, and he and he's praying to live in balance, in contentment. And I love to say it, and I, I, it's God's sweet spot. The idea of living in God's sweet spot when it comes to our provision uh, and our needs. Um, if he, uh, pray, Agur's saying if he has too much, he'll start thinking it's all about him. And uh, if he has too little, he may steal and dishonor God. Um, he asks for only my daily bread. And that reminds us, of course, of... Uh, of uh, you know the 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 Israelites the in the Lord, desert yeah. forty years yeah um, giving giving me only my daily bread uh, they got manna in uh, the Israelites for forty years manna showed up every morning outside their tent door and they went out and gathered it and it was just enough for that day and uh, so anybody who was when when Agur wrote that if you think about the context about a thousand years before Jesus Agur wrote that. And the and the the readers are going, oh, that's right. That's that's what we need to get back to. We need to pray for only our daily bread because God will provide every day, just like He did for our ancestors in the desert. And uh, um, and what's so funny about that story in the desert? Uh, of course, uh, they were not supposed to collect any manna on the Sabbath, and <laughs> and so they collected twice as much the day before. Uh, but if they collected during the regular week, if they if they collected more than more than one day's worth, it would spoil the whole the whole pot. So well, you know, uh, it's interesting. It's interesting, Jay. I I pray in the mornings. I, I shared earlier. I pray, try to pray an hour a day, which in pastor language that means four to five times a week. But when I pray, <laughs> I pray the Lord's prayer, which I do appreciate. Going back to Catholicism, I memorize that for my first sure. communion, and so I really yeah. do appreciate that. But when I pray that, I pray that as an outline. It takes me about an hour, but I really, I'm really, uh, there's a real affinity to the part where it says, give me this day my daily bread. I've studied the Lord's prayer and uh, that word uh, bread, 
don't know if you know this, but that word bread was written in he- in Aramaic or Hebrew. I can't remember which, but that word, it's the only time in the Bible, in the New Testament, that that word is used. And so theolo- theologi- theologians were really wrestling with what this word means. It's so spiritual. Uh, what is it? What is it? What is Jesus trying to teach us here? And they found an ancient piece of papyrus with that word on it. And they were so excited to uncover what that meant. And when they, when they, when they dug deeper into it, and they translated all of the stuff on that list. They realized it was an ancient Hebrew woman's shopping list. <laughs> She was going to get bread, man. So uh, I do appreciate that. It's the manna, right? You're talking about. Just give me the bread, baby. That's a great story. (laughs) Well, and um, uh, and I think uh, Agur's challenge in his life he he identified was materialism. But we all have our own. We all have our own crud that we're dealing with. Um, His was stuff. He was. He wanted that balance. He wanted contempt with stuff. But you know what? We could be. Uh, I mean, we could be angry. So if you have, if you, if you're uh, anger, sometimes is a really good thing. But boy, not too much anger is not. Uh, and a little bit of anger makes you a wimp. So you need to be that sweet spot of anger. Uh, you know, you could be wrestling with, uh, with, uh, with, uh, with uh, envy issues, uh, or, uh, or, uh, uh, or at work. There's, yeah, we need to work hard, guys, gentlemen. We need to work hard. Would support our families and to and to earn our rights and to pay our taxes and be part of this community and to give back and to and to and to have a little savings so that we can we can do the things we can take our families on on vacations and once in a while uh, and we need to uh, we need to so work is a really good thing but gentlemen we all know this <laughs> some of you guys out there listening right now are workaholics and you're missing your family so um, so there's a sweet spot there. And I would say, give me how would uh, how would Jim? How would you translate that? How would we paraphrase anger? Uh, uh, give oh. me neither. Go ahead. Well, no, uh, I, I think when I wrote down here, what does this book have to offer men? And yeah. and you hit the ball out of the park. Well, you can't hit the ball out of the park unless you hit it on the sweet spot. And what this book oh. really is about, and this <laughs> this prayer really is about balance. The sweet spot is balance. And so when a man, I've got several men who have a ton of money and they struggle with balance. Some of them swing on the side of uh, hedonism, uh, they're pursuers of pleasure. Some swing on the side of workaholism. And the hard part is these guys have so much in the term, in the so much resource they have to manage. It just takes away from their life where the poor guy has so much to just to make ends meet. He has no time for pleasure. And what Agar is praying is, God, give me balance so I can do, so I can have this sweet spot of trusting you, yet not having to rob from you, yet not having so much to manage. I can't enjoy you. I want to unpack this prayer real quick, Jay. I've actually got five things, five things I'd like you to unpack. Uh, that you already did in your book. And I think they're really, really good. And again, talking about uh, these men, our men in the arena, finding balance, finding this sweet spot of not having too much or too little. If you go back to the prayer of Agur in Proverbs 30, he says, uh, he starts off with this, two things I ask of you, Lord, do not refuse me before I die. So here's the first thing. And I want to ask you about this. He says, keep falsehood and lies from me. So, so Jay, what are some, you know, again, trying to find the sweet spot, the balance, the middle ground, 
what do you say when you, when you see guys around the country and you speak to men, what falsehood and what lies are a lot of Christian men believing these days? What, what voices are they listening to that really are putting them on extreme ends? That pretty much covers the whole prayer now. We've done that. The, the, the second part of the prayer is the idea of finding balance, but the first part is about uh, truth. And he says, yep. two things Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehoods and lies far from me, which is like coming and going. Um, uh, we don't want truth. We don't want lies to leave our, our face. We don't, li- we, we don't want lies to come into our ears uh, because uh, as guys— um, we need to be living in the truth. We need to be we need to be knowing the truth. Um, so uh, Agar knows that he can be tripped up real easily uh, by uh, by the falsehoods and lies of this earth. Uh, and I and uh, and that takes us back to, if I may, we've been kind of comparing uh, the prayer of Agar with the Lord's prayer that he did on the Sermon on the Mount, uh, because they both are talk about our daily bread. But also in that same prayer, the, uh, our Father, lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one again. Yeah. Lead us not into temptation. Don't uh, keep those lies far from us and deliver us from the evil one. Uh, that has to be core, a daily prayer of all of ours, is uh, because the lies of this world are going to suck you, gentlemen. Anybody listening today, hear me, please. Uh, don't believe the lies of this world. Well, you know, it's interesting, Jay, that you said that. Uh, before we, before I respond to your statement, I'm going to take a break and hear from our sponsor. Men in the Arena is a non-profit, crowd-funded organization that exists to inspire men to become their best version. We're able to freely offer this podcast, weekly equipping blasts, discussion forums, plus our small group resources to the three M's, active military, missionaries, and men in underdeveloped nations. This could only happen because of a large group of generous donors like you. You can find out more about how to support our ministry at meninthearena.org. So it's interesting, Jay, your statement, you know, you talked about the lies of the world, and I com- I completely agree. Uh, you know, when you talk about uh, Jesus being tempted in the wilderness in, in uh, Matthew chapter 4 and uh, in John, 1 John 2, verses 15 and 16, talks about the, the three sins of the world. The, the sins of the world are the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful pride of life. And so as we, as we think about the lies of the world, those are three major issues that uh, Agar deals with in the second part of the prayer. But you know what I've, I've noticed, Jay? And tell me what you've seen here. It seems like some of the falsehoods and lies that men deal with the most today surround politics, social media, and the news. Hmm. Have you seen guys get wrapped up in that in a way that's extreme and unhealthy? Um, and the, sh- the shame of that and the tragedy is they, uh, they, they get their blinders on and they don't allow truth to speak into their lives. Yeah. They, they push away what the, the, they, if the guys who are raised with, in good moral homes with great character, they get sucked into this uh, tunnel vision. Um, and that's, and that it's, it, it's heartbreaking uh, because uh, yeah, uh, we, you can't, you, you, if you're not living in once you're, once you're living in God's sweet spot, once you have said, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm living in truth. I'm going to pursue your truth. Um, that kind of takes the pressure off. God's going to love you. God loves you just the way you are. Um, you don't have to uh, be pursuing things left and right. You don't have to be banging off the guardrails of life. God loves you just the way you are, which means uh, you found that sweet spot. 
and you think that well that might be kind of uh, boring to live in God's sweet spot but no it gives you it gives you a platform that you can you can be your best self you can explore the world you can dream great dreams from there uh, without panicking over whether it works or success or failures kind of thing you can you can pursue his will for your life um, and uh, and because you know that he's gonna love you Jim even you Jim he, God's gonna love you when your cup <laughs> is when when your cup is empty, yeah, for he sure. loves you. And when your cup overflows, he loves you. And that's kind of actually part of his plan. Maybe sometimes to, to be empty and need to be filled up. And sometimes we are full and we need to share with others. Well, that's interesting. You know, you said he loves you. It, uh, part of our ministry is a social media platform. And the temptation mm-hmm. is to lie on that platform. And I don't mean outwardly blatantly lying, but I mean putting out the half truth, not putting out the whole truth because life is not easy. Not life is messy. Life is sloppy. Marriage is hard. Raising kids is a pain. You know, there are a lot of issues. And, and if we don't embrace the truth of our lives and show people all sides, we get wrapped up into this world of lies and deception. And here we are thousands of years before this weird guy, this obscure guy named Agur saying, you know, keep falsehoods and lies for me. I I've seen Christian men. I've been one of those men get so angry and bitter over the news and over politicians. I mean, I don't think that that's what Jesus would have guys do. I don't think it's a sweet spot. I saw one Christian lady put on uh, social media recently I hate our governor. And I'm like, wow, you're a Christian lady. You don't even know our governor, <laughs> yet you hate her. And I think this is part of that problem, right? Well, let's move on to this next thing. I, so Agar moves on. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but but only my daily bread. And I And in your book, you highlight that word only. Can you talk about the value and importance of only my daily bread from this prayer? Well, for most people, for most people, bigger is going to be better. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, more, more house, more, more car, a bigger car, more closet space, so we can we can keep more stuff, more shelves for more trophies, um, uh, and uh, more, and maybe more responsibility, so that we can gain more of more of all of that. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think that's where we're asking for trouble because you know what, God isn't impressed with your Rolex watch. Yeah. Or, or your washboard, or your washboard abs, or that you can bench press two hundred fifty pounds, or your trophy wife. Or, uh, God, <laughs> you know what? God isn't even impressed. It's one of your listeners right now, they could they could cut a million dollar check to men in the arena. God is not impressed with that. <laughs> yes. Now you you could use the money, you, but God is not impressed with that. Um, and you know what? It's also really okay, gentlemen, if you have a few dandelions in your in your front lawn. If your car has some rust spots, or if you don't get into Harvard, or your kid doesn't get into Harvard, uh, he wants he wants you to be okay with that too. That is um, that sweet spot. That because he's going to give you what you need and only what you need. Not you got to pray that boy. Don't give me more than I can handle, Lord. You and me, God, we can do this together. You fill me with the Holy Spirit, and I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, Give, give give it all right back to you because I know that tomorrow you're going to fill me up again. Yeah, I think hmm. that's so powerful for our men to hear because our average listener right now is between, I would say, 30 and 50. 
He's commuting to work. He's building a career. These guys are hardworking. And if you asked them why they work so hard, I think they would say something like uh, to retire early, to have more stuff, uh, to provide for my family. But at what point, Jay, is providing for a man's family going too far into greed and materialism? Um, well, I think I think you, I think a lot of guys know that. I think a lot of guys when when they're driving home from work at eight o'clock and they miss their miss their you know, the third graders uh, uh, choir concert, it's like, man, I should have been there. Yeah, should have been there. And gentlemen, um, you can ask your wives; they will they will help you with that. Uh, help 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 have your wives remind you about that. Tweet you, hey, you know, you know, Jimmy's uh, choir concert is tonight. Make, you know, get, get home, get home. Um, uh, your wife's gentleman can help you out a lot with that. Well, the other thing, well, along the same lines, Jay, is we have guys that are working so hard to accumulate stuff, but what they do is they forget the giving aspect of their earning. Well, that's that's freeing, isn't it? Yeah. You know what? If you want to really get, if you want to get free of stuff, give some of it away, not all of it. And we could talk about tithing here for for a day and a half, whether it's ten percent or ten percent of. <laughs> I I just I, I'm blown away when guys go, okay, is it ten percent pre tax or post tax? I know. It, it's just you know what? Maybe it's kind of give till give till it matters, give till it hurts, give till you're going. Oh yeah, I feel great about this. God's calling me this. And again, because you're praying for your daily bread, he's going to make sure that that your that your needs are covered. Well, and I have a good friend of mine who's probably the most generous person on the that I know, and he said, "Well, I give my first 10% to the storehouse." And I said, "Well, I'm not Jewish, so what does storehouse mean?" I mean, the the fact isn't give it to your church first or second. The fact isn't 10% off the net or 10% off the growth. Actually, Jesus never even said tithing. He used that phrase one time and he was rebuking the Pharisees. The only time he used the word tithe ever because he knew this was a worldwide movement and the issue is not tithing. The issue is giving. Are you a giver? You know, and what I have found is if people get so wrapped up in the pursuit of wealth, that leads to a bondage uh, of greed and selfishness. And so we always have to realize, right? And I think Agar hit this one out of the park, right? Saying, guys, your sweet spot is working hard, earning a living, and then finding the blessing from giving your resources to other people and causes that you care about. So let's move down here a little bit further. So so he, he asked this prayer. He says, God, give me only, and I'm going to highlight that word, only what I need. But then he he says two things. He says, otherwise... If, if you give me more than I need or not enough, otherwise I might disown you. So how does wealth and the pursuit of wealth, uh, the Bible says the love of money, how does that hurt a man and his relationship with God? Uh, because uh, all you got to do is turn your head a little bit away from God and you're not going to receive his fullest blessing to you. If you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus walking on the water, you're not going to sink. If you if you if you if you keep your eyes focused on God and, and His heart and His needs and His will for your life, um, I'm going to jump over if I can to, to Philippians chapter four. A lot of your uh, um, a lot of your uh, uh, listeners know this. And four thirteen is I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. Isn't that something we want to do? I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. And I had that 
that verse was on my kids in a poster in my kids' room with a, a long distance runner sweating. Uh, it's a great line. I could do all things who give me strength. It's a great one, one off right there. You pull those 10 words out, it's there. But you know what leads up to that? Yes. You know what leads up to that? It's go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Jim, do I, this teaching. I was, this hoping, teaching. I was hoping you'd say this. <laughs> the, the verse before that is I've learned the secret of being content in all things. Tell us what that means. I have learned the secret of being content in all things, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And okay, that is the launch pad. That if you want to do all things, you want to do all things through him who gives you strength, which I want to do. I want to do all things, but I can't do that oh, unless I have this spot where I am content uh, living in God's will, living in his sweet spot. And going back to Agar and not having more than I need, not having less than I need. I, I am trusting God. I'm trusting God. There's a balance there. I'm trusting him. I'm content in every situation. And then, bam, from there, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Man, oh, man. I love it when the Old Testament, something from the Old Testament kind of parallels and co corroborates something from the New Testament. Uh, boy, it all works together, doesn't it? Yeah, it really is a sweet. So what would you say to these men listening, or mm. what have you learned personally about accumulating wealth and not allowing the accumulation of wealth to become a distraction spiritually? Well, as, as you said earlier, it's not money that is the root of all evil. It is the love of money. And and you, you can't love God and money. You can't serve two masters. Yes. You have to love. You, you can only love one at a time. So uh, uh, maybe that's a simple, maybe that seems a, a theological answer, but that's what we're talking about here. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's where your heart is. It's where your heart is. That's super. Where, where, your, that's where your heart is. Yeah. That's, no, that's a very powerful heart statement. Is, it, it all ties together. We, 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 if your treasure's in heaven, your heart is in heaven. That's where your heart's going to be. Um, heavenly minded. Well, you know, my kids say this to me often because they've been born and raised as a pastor's kid. And they said, dad, you're just not motivated by money. And I thought, should any of us be, <laughs> should any human who loves Jesus be motivated by money? Yes, we should be motivated to provide for our families. We should be motivated to, uh, please God. We should be motivated to, uh, give our wives the best life they could ever have. But does that mean that we should <laughs> love and pursue wealth and let money motivate us or should we allow the Holy Spirit to motivate us? And so I think that's a great prayer that Agar prays for guys, right? He says, God, I don't want too much. Otherwise, I'll disown you. <laughs> um, and and the whole reminder of this is the, the first part of that prayer is give me only my – give me neither the poverty nor riches. Give me only – because we have to remember that it's God giving us this stuff. It's not ours anyway. It's, these are all, everything we have yes. is a gift from God. So, um, so as, as soon as we start saying it's all about me or or take our focus away from God, He's the one who's given us this stuff. So it's all His anyways. And the fact that He lets us keep ninety percent for the for you have listeners who are totally into this tithing. You know what? If God has called you for that, go for that. Um, but uh, and so He keeps. You know, God lets me keep that. Keep that 10% or 95% or half. Maybe give half of Don't stop at 10%. Maybe give half of what you have away. Um, uh, go for that. 
and, and write that million dollar check to man, man, man in the arena, right? <laughs> well, I think the bottom line is, I think the bottom line is, Jay, I don't think God is up there in heaven saying, Hey, you gave 10%, but buddy, that was off your gross. I want the net. I don't think well, I, don't I want think, the biggest man, Jim, yeah. Jim, I want the biggest mansion up there. I need to, I need to have the biggest mansion up there. No, but, but I don't and think the most, I, I the think, most crowns, the most crowns. Well, I think ahead, God is more concerned about our heart, right? It's yes, about our, yes, God does not need our money. The Bible says God owns the earth and everything in it. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. God hang, thousand hangs hills. the star, calls, made the stars and calls them by name. God needs nothing. It's a more, it's more about us and our heart for God. So I would not get wrapped up. I, I would really encourage our men. Don't get wrapped up in a percentage or a net or a gross or who gets what. You get wrapped up in giving where God tells you, but more than that, just being willing to, to let God say and do what you He what He wants through you. Uh, I know we're running out of time here, Jim. I just want to do this: the idea that um, the idea of living in God's sweet spot uh, can really apply to where we are in 2020. Yes, can I do that for a second? Absolutely. Because um, because because there's a coronavirus sweet spot also, where we are we are staying safe, but we are being productive still. There's a sweet spot in there. We're not being foolish. We're being wise, and we're, we're trusting God. But we're also getting done what we can to do God. This whole um, the whole racial unrest, uh, whether you call it you know sweet spot, yeah. um, there's a way that we can we can we can dig deep, and we can we can share our beliefs, and we could even be part of a protest, perhaps. But there's a way to protest respectfully and peacefully, and protest the right things. Um, uh, in this financial crunch that so many people are in. Yeah, we need to keep hustling. We need to keep hustling and working and, and looking for ways to cut back and, and reassess our priorities and reassess our careers, for, perhaps. But man, we've got to be trusting God. We've got we to let others help us. We've got to look for people who are in need. There's a, there's, there's, and and every, one of your, every one of your listeners is different. And yeah. every, you, as they look around, there are things they can do where they gotta, they got to bust their butt and work harder. And some they got to relax and say, God, I'm going to trust you in this. And then you know, there's a political speed. There's a political sweet spot here too. Yeah. About 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 seeking truth. We got to seek truth. We got to speak truth. And we we shouldn't be throwing gas on the fire, man. There's no reason to be inflammatory. Let's 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 focus on, on speaking truth. So um, without taking sides and without doing too much there, um, I think every situation, gentlemen, ev- listeners, every situation you're in, whether it's with your family or your career or how you're dealing with uh, the social issues of our time, there's going to be a sweet spot that you can find and pursue and know. And if you do that, and you, God will reveal it to you. God will reveal the action points that you have if you go, oh, this is not about me. This is about a bigger picture. Um, God, what would you have me do? Well, you know, Jay, wow. you said something really powerful. You've mentioned three different terms throughout this interview. Balance moderation and sweet spot. These are woven through your book. In fact, you actually wrote this and I I love what you wrote. You said in God's sweet spot, the pressure is off. Then you continued. Really? You can be sure it's always going to work out. You are not required to start a business this year and roll for school next semester. Look for love or tackle any ambitious endeavor. And I think that's the bottom line. I think that's where we have the sweet spot. You continue in your book on page 75 and you say, the prayer of agar leads to patience. And isn't that, isn't patience really something in the middle, something moderate, something balanced? 
And so speak to me about uh, what are your final thoughts on balance, moderation, and a man who's going to pray this prayer and his discovery of this sweet spot? Um, well, the last chapter of the book, which you're, you're pointing to right now, is uh, the idea of the sweet spot bonus. Yes. If you are, yes. I, I call it that. I made that up. <laughs> uh, but if, 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 you are, if you are living in God's sweet spot, um, you're going to do things that, are, that you're good at. You're going to do things that bring you contentment and joy and purpose, and, and, and you're going to see the bigger picture. Too many Christians, Jim, too many Christians think that working for God and, and pursuing God is going to be either tedious or unfulfilling or backbreaking, as if God wants us to be miserable. God doesn't want you to be miserable. He's a, you know, he, uh, following God may be hard work sometimes, and you may be persecuted for that. But, but if God, listen now, uh, God, gentlemen, gentlemen listening, God wants you to do stuff that you're good at. He gave you gifts and talents, so figure out what those are. Uh, God wants you to do stuff that comes easy. Uh, now that sounds weird. If you can, if you can, you know, build things, build things for God. If you can dance, dance for God. If you can hug, hug for God. If you, Dale. if you can plant, if you, what, what's that? Dale, Dale is a hug for God guy. Okay, Dale, uh, you better. Do, if you stopped hugging for God, if you stopped hugging, you would be stealing. You would be abusing that gift. So. Um, we need to do something that comes easily, and God's going to reveal. God is going to reveal your uh, your uh, how you can use those talents to uh, make a career, to, uh, a hobby that's worth worthwhile, a ministry, and uh, God's going to use your gifts. Um, maybe you know you're God's Jim, Jim and Dale. You even you guys are God's workmanship, prepared for specific good works. What is that? Ephesians, Ephesians two, chapter two, I two think it is. verses eight and ten. Uh, you are God's workmanship, uh, creative for, spe for specific. I can't even say the word specific for specific good works. Since when did He create that? Before you were even born, He knew what your gifts were. So, your natural giftedness, ah, uh, your natural giftedness is a gift you can give back to God. What a, don't you want to do that? I do. Uh, maybe put another way if I can. Um, don't exhaust yourself. Trying to do something that you're not good at. <laughs> um, instead, do stuff that you're already good at, and then maybe take that to the next level. Something that you're good at, do that even better. That could be a gift you can give to God. Well, you know what's um, interesting, Jay? You, you really kind of hit me between the eyes just now. Uh, I love the phrase, stay in your lane. To stay uh, in your yeah. lane. The sweet spot is to stay in your lane, right? And I've, I've just discovered something. I've been uh, in the fitness world. I was a coll collegiate athlete. I've been lifting weights and exercising since I was 10 years old, probably three, four, five days a week. And I just realized last week, I'm a big guy. I mean, I'm a big, strong guy naturally, but I've spent my entire life trying to get skinny, you know, hiking, running, <laughs> running, biking. And I've realized those things are so excruciating for me. But as soon as I walk in the gym, guys go, Hey bro, what's up? And so I'm an, I'm, in the last couple of weeks, I've realized I'm going to focus on what I'm already good at and who God made me to be. Now, I know I'm just talking about my physical body, but I think as guys, we need to think about this as our whole person. Who are we and how has God made us? 
and let's stay in our lane. Let's stay in our sweet spot. And so, Jay, I really appreciate this book. Uh, I appreciate its brevity. Uh, I appreciate uh, that you pulled something out that I've read thousands of times and never thought about. And I want to invite our guys to get their boots on the ground. And I want them to take a step, an action step, because of what we heard today. So, guys, we're going to write a blog that will come out this week about this interview. uh, So you can read more about that. But I want to ask you to go to Proverbs 30. Remember, the first 29 were written by Solomon, the last one by Kim. If if you want to memorize the last one, that's fine, but but I want to really have, that's for the women. But I want you to look at chapter 30, Proverbs 30, and I want you to memorize the prayer of Agur and begin to pray that prayer so that you can discover God's sweet spot in your life. That point in your life between two extremes, that middle ground that will bring you patience It'll help you hit the ball out of the park. Jay, thanks so much for coming on the show. How can our guys get a hold of you and your resources? And I know my name is hard to pronounce, uh, Payleitner, Jay Payleitner, but that's my that's my website, uh, jpayleitner.com, J-A-Y, last name Payleitner, P-A-Y-L-E-I-T-N-E-R.com. You know what? Just remember Agar, A-G-U-R. If you Google, if you Google the prayer of Agar, the, the book will come up. You're going to get it on Amazon. It'll take you to my website. So Google the Prayer of Agar. Uh, read it. Read it first. Go read it. Chapter, Proverbs 30, verses uh, 7, 8, and 9. Go read it. And if it touches you at all, it's the only prayer in all of Proverbs. Je- uh, uh, listeners, go ahead and, and track that down. If you read that prayer two or three times, and man, oh, man. And then go, and there's more on my website about it. Uh, what a privilege, Jim, to hang out with you and Dale and, and, your, and your listeners. Hey, man, we sure appreciate you hanging in there. Third time's a charm. And uh, thanks so much for coming on the show, Jay. Really appreciate you, man. Keep up the good work uh, and uh, keep at it. God bless. All right. Thanks, brother. Hey, Dale, what's next, man? Yeah, we want you guys to head on over to meninarena.org and get your free digital copy of Guts and Manhood. And we'll sign you up to also receive our free weekly equipping e-blast, which includes links to the newest podcast, videos from Jim, weekly blog, hero stories, and more. So until next time, fill the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game. Get dirty. Grind it out. And be a man. Men in the arena. If you hunger to be your best version, join us along with thousands of men from around the world. Check out our Men in the Arena forums. You can join on Facebook or on our website at meninthearena.org. While you're on our website, remember to pick up your free electronic version of Jim's bathroom book for men, The Field Guide. It's a daily study of manly words with epic stories in the Bible. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Men in the Arena podcast. Remember, when a man gets it, everyone wins. What type of dad are you? Guys, in my 35 years of ministry, I've noticed that guys basically fall into two categories. And in those categories, there are four types of dad or four phases that you pass through as a dad. We just dropped an amazing quiz to help you discover what type of dad you are. Find out what type of father you are and get our custom resources fit to meet the needs and the questions you are asking. Head on over to menarena.org. Join 20,000 men's from around the world and find out the type of dad you are.